0: Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called, Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages and I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you and again, thank you for tuning in. I think I could write a book on the conversation called Conversations with Cooper, right down there on the front row. Sarah's back there, kind of afraid of this book, but uh, I said, Coop, I'm about to stand up and preach. You got any advice for me? And he said, Do your best. <laughs> so, amen. That's good advice. Well, I'm excited about um, what's going on this month. Uh, today, I will preach a message entitled, Who's Your Mountain? And I hope it will encourage you in terms of who's your mission. And then, uh, next week, we will uh, preach again in great preparation for the 22nd, when we will have uh, a guest, uh pulpiteer, uh, happens to be a dear old friend of mine from... Uh, Years ago, he was my college roommate for a while and we were best men at each other's wedding and he's going to be with us and and he has a course entitled No Sweat Evangelism. And then uh, Sunday he's going to preach and lead in worship and then that evening right here in the sanctuary he will teach No Sweat Evangelism. If you have a mission or if you don't, you need to come because you need to hear this. It's wonderful. just It puts us at ease about personal evangelism and what we've been talking about these months. And uh, then after that, on the 29th, I will begin preaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Samuel. I'm really looking forward to that. It's been um, a long time coming for me. I've been in preparation for a long time uh, in those messages and in that uh, book and those texts of Scripture. It's uh, a lot of information about, about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, about worship, and there's so much uh, to it. And I'm looking forward to preaching it, and some of it we're going to preach right here, and others of it we'll uh, have on Wednesday night. My philosophy is preaching is uh, the um, left-on-the-desk philosophy. In other words, when you bring something to teach or preach, teacher or a preacher out there, Uh, If you don't have something, you leave on the desk, you hadn't studied enough. All right? You hadn't studied enough. Y'all think I preach too long anyway. If we brought everything up here, my goodness. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, I'm looking forward to it. And I covet your prayers. I ask you to pray for the the preaching ministry in the uh, weeks and months ahead here at First Baptist. We want it to be encouraging and helpful. We want people to respond to the gospel of Christ. We want to be true to Scripture, and that's uh, what we strive to do. That's what I do my best to do, following Cooper's advice. And I ask you to do your best to pray for me, and uh, pray for Jay and Cole as well and the whole staff. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. We are also going to reference Matthew chapter 17 in just a few moments. But before we dive into this account, account and read the text, I want to focus on the 23rd verse. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And I want to encourage you in the power of faith today. The faith that you can have in the Lord to do a great work through you upon somebody in terms of Salvation, personal salvation. So we're going to learn a little bit about faith today. And the invitation of the text and the application that I will make today from this text is threefold. First, this is the the primary invitation uh, for you to come to Christ for salvation from your sin and from the work of the demonic in your life. You may say, well, I don't have any demons in my life. Well, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 teaches us with great clarity that the spirits, the the demonic spirits work within the children of disobedience, those who are outside of Christ. But thanks be unto God, verses 8 and 9 of that same chapter says, for by grace are you saved through faith, from that work that's going on in your life that may not be manifested in the same way we read the text. Uh, Sometimes the devil's too smart to manifest something to the extent we're going to read about in a minute. But just know this. If you're not born again today, the devil has you exactly where he wants you. And I want to encourage you to come to Christ and be delivered and be saved from your sin. Give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And... uh, join up with First Baptist Church, follow through with believers' baptism and grow in the Lord along with me and every other member of First Baptist Church. A second part of the invitation is is, is to invite the, the Christian, especially the, the, the person, the member of First Baptist Church. even if you aren't a member, this is an invitation to you. Uh, do you have a mission? Look at yourself. Do you have a mission for the Lord? We're going to read about this man who had his son as a mission. Perhaps you have a loved one, a child uh, who is lost and they're not saved, a a friend, a co-worker. Uh, You can look around and find so many missions. Don't, don't, Don't tell me you don't know somebody. Let me ask you something. Are you in a Sunday school class and there's a spouse who comes without their spouse because their spouse is lost? Why not make that person your mission, that person's spouse, your mission? Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and there's, and there's adolescent and teenagers in your class and they're not, and, and one or is not saved. Why not make that person your mission? Check it out. Um, and, and another question is is, why haven't you signed up yet? Why haven't you signed up yet? Take a look at yourself and ask the Lord to give you the answers to those questions. And uh, why haven't you joined in your church family so far, taking those first steps? Maybe you're waiting till the 22nd. That's fine. Right now we have 60 missions. I'm asking God for 100. Now, God may give us 100 by the 22nd, or he may give it to us in July. I don't know. But... uh, Uh, I'm asking God for a hundred, and perhaps you are one that can add to that number. So the invitation from the text today is, will you, if you haven't already, will you rededicate yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today? Recognizing what he said as he gave us the great commission, all authority is given unto me under heaven. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, end of the age. Amen. Will you submit to the Lordship of Christ in that? Will you pray at least, or continue to pray even, for at least one per person, that God will burden you with. Somebody that you know who, if they died today, they'd go to a devil's hell for eternity. They need to be saved now. Will you pray that God will burden you for them? Third, will you make that person your mission? Make that person your mission. Say, Lord, you burden me with them. I'm on to make them my mission. I'm going to be on mission with you and go after them like... Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and you're going to join Jesus in that pursuit upon that person. At least one. Also, the invitation in this second part is put them on the list. You see these blue forms at the entrances to the church. Right back here, you see the, You might have come into church and saw the banner, who's your mission? You might have walked in through the Sunday school wing and saw the banner, who's your mission? We got them put in other places and we're going to move them around. But take that name and fill out this form about them and turn it into the church office. You can put it in the offering plate. Lost people who need to be saved now that you can contact. You as an individual can contact. You know, uh, we had a when we first started Who's Your Mission Emphasis, there was a lady who had been visiting us for a, a little bit and she was down here, I, I don't know if she was on business or vacation, but a wonderful Christian lady and she's come to our church. And we started this and the first Sunday I hit on it pretty hard and she came up and said, "I'm not a member of this church and I'm not going to join this church." And I thought, "Well, here we go. I'm going to hear why." But she said, "I don't live here. I'm down here temporarily." And I'm going to go back to my home. She says, I've got five people need to be saved right now. Can I participate in who's your mission? Can I put them down? So we got five people on our list. I don't know where they live. And I don't know. That lady knows who they are. You know, we can pray for her, amen? And who knows? God may put us in contact with them. You don't know what God's providence is going to do. That's why it's called providence. And so... uh, I mean, somebody you know needs to be saved now that that you can contact, that you can reach out to and put them on the list so your church family can pray for them so I know who to pray for, you and them. And then will you formalize this? Will you be present on the 22nd of January, coming up, and participate in the training? And us together getting trained ready to go out and learning a little bit more about how to pray and how to reach the lost. So that's the second part of the invitation is for those of you who are saved and know the Lord and, and you, you, you need to do these things. You need to get on mission and join in this ministry of your church family. Be a part of the church family. Don't isolate yourself. Third part of the invitation is this, is for those of you who have a mission... But it's a tough one. It's a hard one. It's a mountain of a mission. As a matter of fact, you don't think they're ever going to be saved. I have one or two like this. One of mine, I've shared the gospel before and got shut down before I say the Bible says, before I could finish that statement. Now, when that kind of thing happens, you, we're going to learn what to do about that. I got another one that you witness to, and and and, and she looks at me and, and she looks at the people who witness. It's all the same, all the same, all the same. She's not a Christian. She comes out of a, uh, another religion. And so I, I know how it is to have some hard cases. Hard cases. And so I want to encourage you today when your mission is a mountain of a mission. It looks like there's no way that God's going to be able to save them. They're just a hard case. You ever met anybody like that? Folks, that's the kind I like to get. Amen? That's the kind I like to get. I like to get the hard cases. Uh, I like to hear people who get saved say, Boy, uh, nobody ever thought I'd ever be saved. When I, when I got religion, my family turned a backflip. They couldn't believe it. And... Uh, Hallelujah. So let's read the text and see about the mountain of a mission. Mark chapter 9, we're going to read a lengthy text today, verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway or immediately, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? What are you arguing about? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, well, so somebody in the crowd answered, said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he takes him, wheresoever this demonic spirit takes him, he tears him and he foams at the mouth and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And when they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway that demon tore him, tore into him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed on the ground, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been going on? And his father said, since his childhood. And oftentimes, it has cast him into the fire and into the water to kill him, to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, if you can, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people, came. Running together, they started getting, the crowd started getting thick again. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him, don't you love when the Bible says, But Jesus? But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose and when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And he said unto them, this kind can only come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Well, that's a fascinating account. What a terrible situation while Jesus is on the mount of transfiguration with Peter James and John that's the previous text that's what's going on previously while he's up there the remaining of the disciples are down at the foot of the mountain in the valley in the city area and they're arguing With the scribes. The disciples are arguing with the scribes. Now, there's always an argument with the scribes. Isn't that an amazing thing? You ever met somebody who's just always argumentative? Well, these people hated Jesus. They hated his disciples. They're always trying to discredit Jesus. And so they're arguing, and a crowd is gathered around, and they're listening to this argument. I imagine some in the crowd got hooked on that argument. I mean, they watched it like they watched Fox News all the time. But then I imagine some of them, like this man, he just wanted something for his life. He wanted some of Jesus. He wanted grace and help and time of need. But this crowd is gathered, and this man boldly breaks through and approaches the disciples and he says, I have a mountain of a mission. I can't do anything with him. Can you help my son? Can you deliver my son and cast this demon out? And it's very indicative in the text that the disciples tried. I do not know what they did, neither do you. The text doesn't tell us. But they didn't do what was necessary to do to cast out the demon. Therefore, the demon wasn't cast out, and they failed to help this father. He's tormented by this demon. Now, I want to share something with you. If you read verse 18 with me, he tears him, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes with his teeth, He, he goes into convulsions and becomes stiff as if he's dead And then again in verse 22, this demon would take him, would would push him to places, somehow physically get him from one place to another, his own feet somehow guiding him and throw him into fire and into water. Now, friend, I want to share something with you. This This was not a disability. This was not something that this child was born with that caused these things. This was a demonic activity creating violence in this young man and self-damage and self-hurt from childhood. Protect your children from the avenues of Satan. But it got to him and this demon was doing what the devil always tries to do, steal, kill, and destroy robbing this boy of his of a precious childhood and a relationship with his mama and daddy trying to kill him and destroy him that's what the devil tries to do you say preacher we don't see anything this is did you watch a couple of summers ago how people acted in the streets of our big cities you tell me that's not the devil he's seeking to kill and destroy those young people in the streets it may not be manifested around here in South Mississippi with us decent folk. But I want to tell you what, the devil's alive and well, amen? You realize we got a lot of violence up and down this street on Friday and Saturday nights. You know what, we've had a couple of beatings and brawls out here in, the, in our town. Now, it's all alcohol, but that's all alcohol is, as a demon. Now, that's good preaching whether you drink or not. But this demon was wrecking this, trying to destroy this boy. Can you imagine the life this father had lived? This was not a sickness. It was not a disorder. It was not something of a disability. This was demonic activity. And the text, once again, indicates that they tried, but they could not. They failed. Why Did the disciples fail? Well, the answer lies within the context I gave you a moment ago. This is a very pertinent text for us. This is more like our day than you think it is. Let me explain. When Jesus came down from the mountain, he was up there in the glory being transfigured. It was a glorious experience. Thank God for it. it. It was a glimpse of the glory of Christ. But he came down and he was greeted by the crowd, and he saw the scribes, and he says, "What are you guys arguing about?" And they probably argue the same thing they've always argued about. People like that don't change their tune. And then, before anyone could answer and drag Jesus into the argument or attempt to drag him into this argument, this man steps out and speaks the verses of verse 17 and 18. And he says, But your disciples could not help me. And notice verse 19. He answered and said unto him, Now he turns to his disciples, he speaks to his disciples. And he says, Oh, now this isn't this, this is a man frustrated and disappointed. And oh, you faithless generation. And and Matthew, the text in Matthew adds perverse, you faithless and perverse generation. He's not talking to the scribes, he's not talking to the crowd. He's not talking to the dad. He's talking to his disciples. You guys are faithless and perverse. How long am I going to have to put up with you? That's a, you know, that's a question only God can answer. How long am I going to be with you? How long is this going to go on? Bring him to me. Now, This is an important context. You've got to get this to understand what's going on. He's on the mountaintop, manifesting his glory, showing us what's coming in his glory. He comes down to the mountain, and his disciples have failed in moving this mountain in saving, seeing this boy saved. And the father is still desperate and broken and he says, he, but they failed and Jesus looks at him and this is basically what he says. Guys, I, I've told you and told you, you got to get your act together because I'm about to go to the cross and to the grave and to the resurrection and I'm going to be ascended to the Father in glory. You're going to be left down here in the nasty now and now as my ambassadors, as my representatives, as the ministers of reconciliation, of bearing the power of the gospel of Christ to deliver people from sin and death and the devil and his demons. You're going to have to be on mission, doing my mission. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. You're going to have to learn what it takes to win the loss to Christ because I'm physically not going to be here. You can't take these people who are mountains and have tradition that is settled in their mind. You can't break through. You're not going to be able to take these demonized people who are struggling with sins that are beyond anything imaginable and bring them to me physically and say, touch them, talk to them, do a work, because I'm going to be gone. My presence with you is about to change. In other words, he tells his disciples, Disciples, my presence with you is going to be different before too much longer. It's going to be just like it is with those folks down there at First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs on a mission. They can't bring somebody to me physically. They're going to have to do the spiritual work in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're faithless. You've got to learn to believe God that he can do anything and everything. And you are perverse. You've got to get your thinking straight, guys. Amen? And so, dear friend, let me just encourage you this. If you've got a mountain of a mission, you need to believe God for the salvation of that mission. And I'm going to share with you how to do it in a minute. And you have got to get your thinking right. But let me just say this. I'm going to take pastoral privilege and not chase a, a rabbit that doesn't belong. This rabbit's in the lane. You might be saying, I, I'm not going to participate in who's your mission. Get your thinking right, brother. You can't obey God without being a soul winner. That's right. You can't obey God without caring for souls. You need to get right with the Lord and participate and get a mission. Amen or amen. Tracy, you better start calling the U-Haul but I'm telling you the truth. Amen? You need to get your thinking right. He said, bring him to me. Well, then they could bring him to Jesus. They could put him at the literal, physical feet of Jesus. Now, we can't do that. You hadn't seen the literal, physical feet of Jesus, but you can still bring people to Jesus. And it's a spiritual conflict to do so. It's a spiritual battle to do so. So, let's let's dig down deep and see something. Notice, first of all, the dad. The dad in all this. Actually, yeah, let's look at the dad. The compassion of Jesus is evident here. They bring the boy... Probably a, probably a teenager or a little older now. It indicates that he's a, not a young child. It indicates that this thing has been happening since his childhood. But in verse 20, Jesus does something that uh, kind of made me question, why is he doing it? Why did this happen? Jesus starts asking him questions. How long has this been going on? Tell me about your mission, Dad. Tell me about what life's been like. Tell me about your struggle. Jesus has compassion. You know why he asked the Father these questions? Because he cares. He cares about your mission. He cares about the person you know who is lost. He wants to know their story. See, this dad, Jesus was helping this man do something that we need to get down and get this down straight. Before you talk to someone about God, talk to God about that someone. Amen? And he's talking to Jesus about this mission. And he's telling him, this is my life. This is what's happening to my boy. The devil's got a hold of him. Now, I want to say something. If you're a parent here today of a lost child, whether they're adolescent, teenagers, maybe in their 20s, 30s, maybe even a grandchild, and they're not saved, I want to share something with you. They may be a great kid, a wonderful kid. They may be wayward. I don't know. But I do know Jesus cares. And I'll tell you this. They need to be your mission. They need to be one of your missions. Maybe a son-in-law or a daughter They need to be one of your missions. And so I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Miss Tracy, stand up for me. Isn't she beautiful? (laughs) I know the big question is how much younger is she? That's not what we're talking about. But I want to share something with you. If you will put your child down as your mission or one of your missions, and you come and tell me about it, Dad, I'm talking to dads right now, and you come to me and say, Pastor, Dr. Barnett, Dr. Mike, this is my mission, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law. I will make them one of my missions too. And I'll pray with you anytime, anywhere, any place for that child. I'll meet you during the week. I'll meet you at my house. I'm not going to meet you at Waffle House because you can't pray when you're eating and drinking coffee. But I'll meet you right here and we'll scratch off a place together and we'll pray for the salvation of your child. Dad. Now, Mom, Miss Tracy's committing to do the same for you. But I need to know about it. And you need a blue form on them and I'm going to fill out a blue form on them too. That's our commitment to you. Lovely bride, you may be seated. That's my commitment to you today as your pastor. You say, preacher, you're sounding desperate. Aren't you? Don't you believe the Bible? Don't you believe in a devil's hell? Don't you believe that's where lost people go? Why aren't you as desperate? Why aren't you desperate? for the souls of men like Jesus this dad was desperate notice something else about him notice his his honesty this was an honest man verse 22 he looks at Jesus and he says if you can do anything will you do it will you have compassion and will you help us now There's some strong language there. This word help is the Greek word betheo, and it means to run to the aid of someone. This man is saying, Lord, if you can, will you run with compassion toward my mission to help? Will you hastily run to it like Philip ran to the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts to his chariot. Now here's the lesson about faith. If you have a mountain of a mission and you've signed them up, your struggle with faith is already about to get the victory. You've already done the first thing that the opportunity is affording you to do. You've taken some measures. But your struggle with faith is going to be on one of two fronts. Notice the question Jesus, uh, this man asked Jesus. If you can, will you? If you can, will you? In Mark chapter 1, a leper comes to Jesus. And he wants to be cleansed. And Jesus says, what do you want? And the leper says, if you will, can you make me clean? When you have a faith issue about someone being saved, it might be you saying, can you do it, God? That was this dad's question. Can you do it, Jesus? Or you might have a question, Jesus, will you do it? See, one is a question about God's will. The other is a doubt about God's ability. Well, let me give you a theological truth that sounds so simple because it is. Listen to this deep theology. God is always willing to do his will, and he can do it. And it's not his will that any man perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he wants you to join up with him in partnership and have a faith that he can. And notice in verse 23, the construction is a little bit uh, awkward to put in English, but I'm going to explain to you what, look at verse 23 where Jesus said, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believe. You got to read that a little bit differently. The construction in the Greek New Testament is a little bit different. This is an exclamation. Jesus basically looks at him and says, If you can. What do you mean, if you can? You know I can. You wouldn't have brought him to me if you didn't think I could. Into something, or people something. Well, yeah, you know I can, buddy. What are you talking about? Of course I can. And all things are possible because you know I can. You believe I can. God can. And then he says, well, he delivers him. He delivers that boy. And it's a miracle. And the demon has one last uh, kicking up his heels and leaves the boys dead, but Jesus lifts him up. It's a remarkable thing. Let me ask you a question. Notice this man's humility. When Jesus said, of course I can, this man did where all of us are. We may not think we're there, but he, he did he expressed where all of us are. He said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, we're going to explain that in about 45 more minutes, so hold on. Now, listen, it gets good from that. I think it's been good already. It's going to make gooder. But he says, Lord, help my his humility. He knew he struggled in his faith. He knew he was struggling in faith. He knew his faith wasn't perfect. But he also knew that Jesus could. He just didn't know he knew that Jesus could. He just forgot that he knew that Jesus could. He brought him to Jesus to begin with. He knows he can. You're going to sign up your mission. You're going to put them down on the blue sheet. You're going to join the campaign in your church family to see people saved and go evangelistic on people. And focus on that for at least 2023, and I guarantee it's going to be beyond. And you're doing that. You know God can, so don't doubt that he can. And you keep on keeping on. Now, what do we do? Go back, go to Matthew chapter 17. I want to show you what happened. After Jesus lifted this boy up and returned him to his father, can you imagine what happened when they got home? I don't know if mama was in the crowd or not, but I can guarantee you. She got so excited when she saw her boy sane, sound, and saved. I imagine she went to Rouse's and got one of them multi-chocolate cakes. Amen. And some crawfish pies. And they had a time. No, crawfish is unclean. They wouldn't eat that. But anyway, don't you know home was different then? Because heaven came to that home. But I want you to notice after he lifted him up and sent him on his way, Jesus went into a house. Mark says they went into a house. I don't know whose house it was, but somebody loved Jesus and said, Jesus, I want you to use my house and be in my house. Boy, have you invited Jesus into your house? Can Jesus teach in your house? Where's your Bible in your house? Is it opened up so Jesus can teach people and disciple your family? Ooh, boy, it's good preaching today. And then notice Matthew 17, they were in the house and Jesus said unto his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast him out? Boy, you know what, that's a good question. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, you just didn't believe God. You say, well, these are the disciples, preacher. They believed God. In this case, they didn't believe God. How do we know they didn't believe God? Because they did not do what they should have done. See, the old song, trust and obey, that's faith. How do you know you have faith? You trust and you obey. You do what God says to do. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. So if you want to see your mountain moved and you want to do everything that God would have you to do to move that mountain and pray that that God will be hot and heavy on them. And we, we pray. Now, folks, I know there's a human will involved in this, but I'm talking about what we need to do in terms of what God calls us and tells us to do. Three things you need. Now, write this down. If you had not written anything else down, you get this down. Number one, you have to have a growing faith. Now, I did not say you have to have a big faith because Jesus did a whole lot of miracles when there was little faith. Brother Charlie, he calmed storms and said, Oh, ye of little faith. He did a lot of miracles when there was little faith. He did a lot of miracles when there was no faith. Right? He did a lot of miracles when there was no faith. You don't have to have a perfect faith because you do not have a perfect faith, and nor do I. I believe God for some things, and some things I scratch my head and say, Can you? Will you? But a growing faith is one that says, I believe, help my unbelief. Always praying and seeking God's Word. Help my unbelief. Give me some word, Lord, your Bible. Help me. Give me scriptures to build my faith. But nonetheless, he says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. Now, you do know he's not talking about literal mountains. He's talking about great problems, things that are insurmountable in your life in terms of today's application, that mission that you know about. Now, here's where we go wrong on this. We stop short. A mustard seed is the smallest grain of seed in the agricultural of Israel. It's small. Jesus did say, and I affirm, If you have just a little tiny bit of faith, God can do great things. But I would be unbiblical to stop there because the mustard seed, when planted, grows into the biggest bush in Israel. He's not emphasizing having small faith to move your mountain. He's emphasizing having growing faith to move your mountain. You got it? You ever heard that before? Well, you just did. Do I need to repeat it? (laughs) You got to have growing faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You need to be a student of the Bible, you need to be under the Word of God. You need to be faithful to the Bible and, and learning God's Word. And your faith will grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Your faith needs to be growing. Just look at it this way. I just have a little bitty faith. God's going to move. I'm going to sit back and just rest on my laurels. You think that honors God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to have a growing faith. Number two, got to have a consistent ministry of prayer, talking to God about them. So you can have power and wisdom when you talk to them about God. Constantly and consistently praying. John MacArthur said prayer is the highway that faith takes into the power of God. Spurgeon described prayer as a cannon aimed at the gates of heaven ready to blow the doors open. Pray for your mountain of a mission. Pray for all your missions. Let me give you some things to pray real quick. And i got another thing to say. Pray that the Lord, and this is in keeping with the ministry of the Holy Spirit from the Gospel of John. Pray that the Lord will convince them of the need to be saved. The greatest mountains Jesus ever made were the religious moral people called Pharisees. Lost church members are the hardest missions you'll ever have because they they think they got it. And then there's some people out there, they don't believe in sin. They, they, they say they have no sin and, and they just capitulated to the world's thinking and don't think there's anything wrong with it. So you need to pray that God will convince them of the need to be saved. Number two, you pray that the Lord will convince them that they can be saved. Some people don't believe they can be saved. I've had many people through the years say, I don't believe I can be saved. You know, one time in my very first church, I knocked on the door of a, of a young man, and uh, he, uh, he said, I can't be saved because I can't read. I said, who told you that? He said, the preacher told me that. I said, well, they lied. You can be saved because I'm going to read to you. And the man got saved. And uh, some people don't believe they can be saved for one reason or another. I had a guy who did some terrible things during wartime. His name was John. John's in heaven now. And his wife called me and said, we got to pray for John. He don't believe he can be saved. I said, I'm going to go see him. And she said, all right, I'm going to make some etouffee. And I said, I'll be there. And John and I sat down and ate that etouffee. His wife got up and walked into the room. I said, why can't you be saved? He said, I did some terrible things. And he started telling me. I said, you don't need to tell me what he's done. Let me just tell you what the apostle Paul did. He murdered Christians. You were, you were murdering communists, so you think. So if God can save Paul from murdering Christians, he can save you. And the guy got saved, became a sweet Christian. We need to pray God convinces people. They can be saved. But you know what? How shall they hear without a preacher? They sure can't be saved unless you tell them how to be saved. And then pray the Lord will show them how to be saved. Pray the Lord will show them how to be saved. And then pray the Lord will teach them what to do after they're saved. In other words, that you'll see fruit of their salvation. When somebody's saved in our church, that's one way I pray for them, is Lord, show us the fruit of their salvation. And then here's the clincher. Pray that God will use you to partner with him as he works on them. Pray that God will use you to partner with him as he works on them. And then the third thing you do. He said prayer and fasting. You need to consecrate yourself to the task of moving the mountain. Fast is always connected with prayer. Always. This is not giving something up for Lent. Giving something up for Lent says, I'm going to live like the devil all this time, make up for it all this time. That's about as ungodly and unbiblical as you can get. But I won't tell you what, there needs to be seasons in your life that you dedicate time without distractions for the purpose of moving your mountain. This kind. There are kinds that are tough, and they need prayer and fasting. And you give time to it. It may, but doesn't have to, be the giving up of food. You might fast through lunch. You might fast for three days. You might fast through a week without eating, and you say, during those times, I'm going to be in prayer. You start out with prayer and let God lead you through the fast. If you start out trying to fast without prayer, your fasting's just going to become a ritual. not going to mean anything. You let God burden your heart, and he will, and you say, I need to spend more time on this before the Lord, and you take that time. And you fast. It might be giving up meals. It might be giving up television or the news. I don't know about you, but I stayed up till we got finally sworn in a Speaker of the House. I just wanted to see it. I'm an American. I wanted to see it. And... Uh, I was watching our congressman, Mike Ezel. Got to see him on TV a few times. I was texted him, God bless you, brother. You're having a long night. But uh, I want to tell you something, man. I, I got to thinking about it as I laid in bed that night, all keyed up, and I said, Lord, if I had spent more time praying and less time watching, I'd be asleep right now. Amen. <laughs> but you might have to give up television. And quit watching TV and get in your prayer room or a room in your house, sit in a chair and scratch off a place and just commence to pray and do it on a regular basis for your mountain. That is what it takes. That's the prescription in the Word of God. Will you, will you do it for His glory? Let's stand for our song of appeal. Once again, the invitation is threefold. Do you need Christ as your Savior? Do you need to be saved? Have you ever been born again? If not, and the Holy Spirit is leading you, I'm going to be up front. We have people to help guide you in the Scriptures. Answer one-on-one. Be like the man and and the Lord. He'll, He'll spend time with you. And... Answer your question so it's not brushed through and you know exactly the commitment Christ is calling you to do. And you can come forward when we sing, I'm standing up front, just take, take my hand. I'm going to extend my hand and you take my hand. And you say, preacher, I need to be saved and I'll understand what you want to do. Secondly, dear church member, do you have a mission yet? Do you have a mission? You don't have to pray about getting one. Jesus has already told us to do it. Go ye therefore. And I pray you would participate. You don't know what you having a mission can do for somebody else. Your mission, you getting a mission might encourage 10 others to get one. You have influence. And do it for the glory of God. And and, and you say, preacher, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can do it. Just get one. And let God do it. We'll pray. I'll pray with you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to stay busy praying with folks. And then thirdly, our third thing, be encouraged if you've got a mountain of a mission. Have a growing faith. Pray for them consistently. Give up some things to spend time in prayer for them. And then ask God for those things about how to pray for them. Father, bless this invitation for your glory. Whatever you do, I pray people will obey and be responsive. It's all in your hands and theirs now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You come as a spirit leader. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com.